Let's take our Bibles and go to Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. A lot to give you this morning. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. Now, while you're turning there, in order for any decision to be made, we must start with the facts. And I hope you understand that when you listen to a sermon, read your Bible, or some sort of spiritual food, uh, especially I as a preacher, I look forward to people making decisions. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I want you to every week come forward and I'm looking and trying to see who's making decisions, but I want you to make at least a decision in your mind. I would love it if you wrote it down. But for any decision to be made, we must start with the facts. There are facts that need to be presented. If you're going to buy a home, you must know that you can afford it. So what do you do? We sit down and you crunch the numbers. You figure out exactly how much you can afford. And the bank, if you don't do it, the bank will do it for you. Trust me. They will tell you how much you can afford. The facts of numbers must make sense in order for you to move forward. So this morning, as we begin, I'm going to ask you to give yourself the facts. Do you know that sometimes you lie to yourself? Come on now. You you all lie to yourself. You get up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, yeah, that looks okay. Well, that's a lie. I'm just messing with it. That's terrible. I shouldn't say that. All of us lie to ourselves, but we must be honest with ourselves this morning before God. We can tell ourselves lie. You might even be able to convince yourself of those lies, but we need to be open and honest with ourselves this morning. So I seriously want to take a moment and pray. I simply want you to ask God to help you to just be honest with yourself this morning. I'm not going to pray openly. I just want to give us a minute to pray and ask God to help us to be honest with ourselves this morning. Let's go ahead and do that right now. All right, I hope you've taken that time to do so. Now let me start off by asking you this question. Very simply, what are your desires? Be honest with yourself. What are your desires? Seriously consider this question and be honest with yourself again. What, honestly, are your desires? Maybe you could name the top three in your head right now. Name the top three desires that you have. What are my top three desires? What do I want to accomplish in life? Maybe you could take some time. Maybe you're a note taker. Maybe take some time and write them down. 
We are not helping anybody this morning if we lie to ourselves about this. So you can lie to yourself and say, my desires are the top three, and you can lie to yourself about that, but you're not helping anyone. Think about it. Be honest with yourself. What are your desires? Maybe you're struggling with this question. Well, I don't really know, Pastor Yeomans, what my desires would be. Well, let me ask you this question further. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let me ask you this. Into what do you put the highest amount of money, time, and energy? Into what do you put the highest amount of money, time, and energy? Just think about this. What are your desires? Your desires are what you put the most amount of time, money, and energy into. You see, our desires play an extremely important part of our lives. Our desires influence the way that we think. Very much so. They, they influence the way that we act. When we think a certain way, that means we're going to act a certain way. For what we think about and the way we are, that's how we will be. The way we act influences the people that we place around us. Well, the people that we place around us are people that we have the same interests so I enjoy being around hunters and fishermen and people that like the outdoors. I enjoy those type of people because I want them around me because we have similar interests. We have similar desires. The people we have around us will continually fuel those desires. Hey, did you hear about this new product? Did you hear about this new thing? Did you hear about this, that, or the other thing? And they continually fuel those desires. Our desires play an important role in our lives. So I ask you again, what are your desires? A desire is simply something that you long for. Something in, in the, the Strong's Dictionary actually gives us a little bit of a, of a word picture. Stretching forth. Like if you were on a rock uh, wall and you had to reach the next rock. And you, you, I mean, if you did not reach that next rock, you can't go down. You have to reach that next rock. And you're reaching with everything you have. You are desiring that next step. What do you desire? Well, Ezra chapter 1, we read a little bit last week. We'll go just a little bit further. And I want to show you this morning the desire to rebuild. The desire to rebuild. The Bible says now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, and, uh, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Verse 4. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Look at verse 5. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites and all them whose spirit God had raised 
to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Last week we talked about the opportunity to realize the need to rebuild. But this week I want to show you that in or- you can see the need all you want. But you must have a desire to rebuild. You must have a desire to rebuild. There are so many people that see the need but lack the desire. There are so many people that see the need but lack the desire. I know this needs to be done. I just don't want to do it. I gave you an illustration last week of my garage. I know it needs to be done, but I lack the desire to do it. If you are going to rebuild, and you're going to rebuild your life, you can see the need, but you must have a desire. You must have a desire. Cyrus the king puts out a decree calling for anyone interested in building the temple of God to come, come and let's rebuild the temple of God. He gave an order. He basically asked, who has the desire to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple? Who sees the need? Who has the desire? Many times in our lives, we see the need And we are completely comfortable with sending someone else in our place. Well, I mean, as long as it's being taken care of, that's okay by me. No doubt all of the Jews at this time, especially those in Jerusalem, saw the need. No doubt those in uh, the palace in this time, as Cyrus, king of Persia, all around the Jews that were there, no doubt they thought, yes, we need to rebuild the temple. Listen, it was a cultural thing. The temple was a cultural part of their lives. Yes, it represented God. Yes, it was the place where, quote-unquote, God dwelt with them. It was a picture of who God was in in their city. And no doubt they saw the need for people to rebuild the temple. But it's pretty obvious that not all of them had the desire. In fact, if you look at verse 2, it tells you all of the people who went. All of the people who went, in fact, if you go all the way to the end of verse two or chapter two, it tells you how many people came. Verse 64, the whole congregation together was forty and two thousand three hundred and three score, besides servants and their maids, of whom there were seven thousand three hundred thirty and seven, and there were among them two hundred singing men and singing women. Their horses were seven hundred thirty and six, their mules two hundred forty and five, their camels four hundred thirty and five, their asses six thousand seven hundred and twenty. I love the Bible's wonderful description of everything. It tells us how many people went. Listen, that was not all the people. Because if you know anything about Nehemiah, Nehemiah was approximately 15 years after Ezra. So there were still people in the palace. There were still people in Persia. There were still Jews that saw the need but had no desire to go. All of these people are going back and perhaps the people who are staying thinking, oh good, those people are going to rebuild the temple. Let me know when it's rebuilt and we'll come back. Some of you, some of them may have said, I'm not a very good builder anyways. I probably couldn't attribute much to it. I mean, also I have my family here and my friends and my neighbors are here, so I I don't really want to go, but I'm glad someone else is going. 
You, we all know areas of our life where we would rather have someone else do the work. I would have rather have someone else do the painting of my kitchen cupboards. You know what? That costs money, though. <laughs> I would have much rather have done that. I had no desire to do it. I would have much rather paid to let someone else do those things. Listen, all of us have areas of our lives where we're happy when someone else does it, but not us. I'm happy that someone is going to visit seniors that can't get out anymore. I'm happy that someone else is going to work in the community. I'm happy that someone else is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm happy that someone else is. I see the need, but I, I have no desire myself. But we're really talking about rebuilding your life, your heart, your spirit, your soul. The interesting thing about life is this. No one can rebuild your life. No one else can rebuild your life. Your spouse is not going to rebuild it for you. I know a lot of people, and I would say sometimes myself included, I blame things on my spouse. Well, if she did the right thing, I would be a better man. Well, if he would be the husband and father that he's supposed to be, I could respect him the way that I'm supposed to. Hear me, your spouse is not going to rebuild your life for you. Your friends aren't going to rebuild your life for you. Man, if I had better friends, yeah, that's probably part of it, yes. You can choose your friends, but guess what? They're not going to help you rebuild your life. You have to have the desire. Society is not going to rebuild your life. You know, we have people dependent upon society saying, if the government would do more for me, if the city of St. Thomas would do more for me, if uh, there were more programs and things for me, then I would be able to do something in my life. Listen, society will not rebuild your life. Only you. Only you, with God's help, can rebuild your life. So let me ask you again, what is your desire? What are your desires? No doubt, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us, high on the list, would say something to the effect, I desire success. I desire success. I'll be honest with you this morning. I absolutely desire success. I don't want to, no, who wants to be a failure? Not me. I desire success. I want to do it, not in a, not in a proud, gross, uh, greasy way. I just desire success. I want to do right. I want to do well. And I want to, I want to, I want to have success for God. So there's no doubt some of you want to be successful. Listen, not necessarily a bad thing. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would realize that sometimes success takes a precedent sometimes. Just the thought of success. I'm reading a new book, and it's, it's a spectacular book. I take notes on my books, and I, I've not taken more notes than in this book. And he says one of the things, I was so driven with success. We were the fastest growing church in, I believe, Ohio at the time. I was so driven for success, but when I left... That ministry, the ministry went downhill fast. Because he was so concerned about success, he basically left everybody else in the dust. So we can become so focused on success, and that can be our desire, our whole desire. I think if we're honest, some of us may have written down or may have thought, 
we have a desire towards someone besides our spouse. Maybe you're not married here today, but sometimes we can have a desire that's a God-given desire toward a member of the opposite sex, but we don't like the one that God gave us. We have a desire towards someone else. No doubt if we're honest, some of us have a desire toward popularity. We want everybody to like us. Again, if we're honest, some of us have a desire toward our personal image. We want to look good. Listen, there's all kinds of desires. Let me ask you again, what is your desire? Some of you may have a desire to do nothing. Sit on the couch, eating a bag of Cheetos. That's a desire. Do you understand that? That's a desire. What are your desires? Now, please do not raise your hand. Please do not. Let me make that very clear. But let me ask you this. How many of you wrote down or thought in your mind, my number one or my top three, one of my desires is toward God? One of my desires, I just desire God. You see, there are several of these Jews that did not have a desire to see the temple of God rebuilt. They did not have a desire. They themselves were not willing to go. They themselves were not willing to go and make a difference. They were completely content with someone else doing it. Listen, some of us don't have a desire for God, but we're like, yeah, you do, buddy. Go right ahead. Hey, man, I'm so happy for you. And listen, that's great. That's wonderful to be an encouragement and to send money to missionaries and all those kinds of different things. But listen, in your life right now, do you have a desire for God? Let me be very, very clear here. Placing a priority on your desire for God will truly rebuild your life. Placing a priority on your desire for God will truly rebuild your life. Listen, you can have a desire for success. You can have a desire for someone of the opposite sex. You can have a desire for popularity. You can have a desire for your personal image. You can have a desire to do nothing. None of those things will help you rebuild. Only a desire toward God will help you rebuild. Here's the problem, though. The Bible says this. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. Listen, ye cannot serve God and mammon. Here's what we do. We're like, well, my top two desires, Pastor Yeomans, they're right here. I mean, they're close, neck and neck, and I enjoy what I do, and I enjoy this, and I enjoy that, and God, yeah, I take time for him. Hear me, your first desire, if you're going to rebuild your life, must be toward God. Must be. You cannot serve God and mammon. You will, you're going to naturally hold to one more than the other. My desires, my physical, fleshly desires, as I've said before, are hunting and fishing. You know those two kind of go hand in hand, don't they? 
While I'm fishing, I'm looking for places to hunt. And while I'm hunting, I'm looking for places to fish. And the things that I buy for hunting also apply to fishing. Do you see what happens? Our desires kind of roll together. And so if you're saying, listen, I want to serve myself and I also want to serve God, you know those two things are antithetical, right? They cannot compete. They cannot come together. They're as light and darkness. Listen, you cannot serve God and mammon. So when you build your life on the principles of God and his word, your life will be a structure that is unmovable. When you build your life on the principles of the word of God, your life will be a structure that is unmovable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, the Bible says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Watch this. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Do the work of the Lord. Do what God has commanded us. Stay close to God for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When you always abound in the work of the Lord, if you always abound in God, you will be steadfast and unmovable. Some of you might say this, I've tried to have a desire for God. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, but I just can't seem to get into it. I just can't seem to read my Bible and get something out of it. I just can't seem to, you fill in the blank, I just tried, but I just can't. I want to give you very simply just two things. Two things to help us have the desire to rebuild, the desire to build in our lives. Number one is very simply change your desire. You're like, Pastor Yeomans, there's no way. You don't understand. You can't just change. You can't just say, all right, today, as I get up today, this is what I'm going to do. My desire is going to be toward God. Hear me with a big exclamation point. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can see the need. You know in your life that you don't have a desire toward God or it's not what it should be. You can change that. How? Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Notice the wording here, the, the, the verbiage. If ye then be risen with Christ. Watch now. Seek. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. Set. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I've used this illustration before, but every one of us has a default setting. If you take your phone out or our computer or any type of uh, electronic device, there's a default setting, and a lot of times it'll say restore to default. So we all have default settings. We all have default settings for something here on this earth. Do you realize that? 
All of us have a default setting to something here on this earth. Some of us have a default setting, all of us, excuse me, should have a default setting to, to lust after a member of the opposite sex. That's a God-given default setting. We all have a default setting to be liked. We all have a default setting to be successful. We all have a default setting in some way for this earth. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, you see that on the screen, the Bible says this, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Understand this, our default setting is not toward God. Let me say that again because everybody's just kind of staring at me and I can't see past your eyes. Your default setting is not toward God. Your default desire is not toward God. Hear me, it's not going to come easily. You've got to go in and change the settings. When we were born again, we got the opportunity to change and turn off the default settings and begin to customize some things in our lives. Some of, some of you love to customize things. You'll, you'll take something apart and put it all back together and you like to customize. You'll, you'll take your phone and you'll turn off all the default settings and you'll try to finagle things around so that you can have your customized settings. I want you to go to Romans chapter 6. With me. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, the Bible says this Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mind. Don't let it. Don't let sin reign, therefore, in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Verse 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Again, it's yielding. Who are you yielding yourself to? You say, Pastor Jones, I just don't have a desire. I just don't know how to get it. Here it is. Change it. Yield yourself to God. Change your desire. Go to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Verses you probably all know. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Did you hear that? That ye present, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Hey, here it is. Here's my desire. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Why? It's your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, you have to change. 
The almighty God of heaven who created heaven and earth, who spoke this world into existence, by whom all things consist, the one who sent his only begotten son into this world because he loved you so much and he died on the cross. Literally, hear me, literally the most interesting person ever. God. And we can't seem to change our desire toward him. Well, if God was just a little bit more interesting, then I, would, I could just get into that. Listen, God is literally the most interesting person that has ever walked this earth. He's the most interesting being in all the world, and we just can't seem to get into him. We just can't seem to change our desire toward him. I want you to understand, it's as simple as I'm changing today. It's as simple as that. I didn't say it was easy. I said it's as simple as that. Yield. Yield your members. Yield yourself to righteousness. Yield yourself to God. Present yourself a living sacrifice. Change your desire. Now, number two, I want you to see this, and I think this is the most important. I think number two, you need to challenge God. Anybody, any of you who have been into church for a long time, you're like feeling a little uncomfortable with the word challenge God. You say, Pastor Yeomans, we're not supposed to challenge God. You say, Pastor Yeomans, we're not supposed to uh, uh, fight with God. We're supposed to be submissive to God. Well, hear me out, okay? Don't turn me off just yet. Let's go back to Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. Look with me again in verse 5. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. You say, Pastor Evans, what, what do you, what, I don't understand. You see, the people of Benjamin and Judah and a bunch of other people, had their spirit stirred up by God. Had their spirit stirred up by God. I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to challenge God in this way. I want you to challenge God to, for him to give you a desire for him. Challenge him. I, I don't know, I have no idea, but how many people sat there and begged God, God, please give me a desire. God, please, I want to go back and build. God, please, I want to have a desire. I think that if they said that, they would have went. I know people, I remember going to college, and, and people, I mean, preaching all the time, and we had preaching all the time, and I remember some of my buddies coming in and saying, man, I just don't know if God wants me to surrender my life. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know if he wants me to work in full-time ministry, and I remember them praying, God, please let me work in full-time ministry, and guess what? Those are the guys that are working in full-time ministry. The, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Listen, God wants you to desire him. Challenge him. 
Say, God, I just, I'm just struggling. For whatever reason, I've got these desires over here, and I just can't seem to desire you. Would you give me the desire for you? I guarantee that's a prayer he will answer. I guarantee it. Challenge God. Ask God to give you a desire for him, a desire to rebuild your life with him. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10 to 12, the Bible says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Now, I want you to understand Psalm chapter 51 is the psalm that David wrote after his sin with Bathsheba. After he knew he was wrong. He knew he had some rebuilding to do, and look what he says. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And look, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of, my, of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Create, God, please. Renew, God, please. Restore, God, please. Please don't take your Holy Spirit. Please give it to me. Listen, challenge him. You say, I see the need. I just can't get into the desire. Challenge God. There will be many of us that will not do this. There will be many of us that sit here in this place this morning that will not challenge God in this manner. Why? We're comfortable. <laughs> Life's pretty good. We're preoccupied. We're okay with our desires. Oh, Pastor Yomans, they're not sinful desires. I mean, after all, God put me in this place. You realize that God put these Jews into Babylon? God did that. God removed them out of Judah and Jerusalem. God took them out. And God placed them in his place. Listen, we get preoccupied. We get comfortable. And we really don't want to put the work required in. I have no idea what the living conditions for Jews were in this time. We know a little bit about Esther. But I have no idea right now. But listen. There was a work that needed to be done back in Jerusalem. The temple of God needed to be rebuilt listen, maybe your temple needs to be rebuilt. Maybe it's time for you to change your desire. Maybe it's time for you to challenge God. Hear me, when we do not constantly maintain our relationship with God, our temple will deteriorate quickly. You, you know this with your house, with your car. If you don't maintain it, it's going to deteriorate. And you may have a brand spanking new car or a brand spanking new house and you don't change the oil, you don't do anything to it. Listen, within a few hundred thousand kilometers, you're never going to drive that thing again no matter how old it is or how new it is. You must 
maintain the relationship with God. The temple of God in this time was in a shambles. The preeminence of God in that place was non-existent. They didn't care about God anymore. Read the book of Jeremiah. But there were some that had a desire. There were some that had a desire, but there were still some that had no interest in rebuilding. Very simply, what's your desire? What is your desire? Do you have a desire for God? Do you have a desire to rebuild with God? You say, Pastor Yeomans, how do, how do I get there? Just change. Just change. And challenge God. Listen, there's much more after this. But I personally believe that you will never, you will never fulfill all that God wants for you if you don't have a desire toward him. Oh, you can go through the motions. Been there, done that. <laughs> you can go through the motions. You can do the right things, but I want you to understand, you will never rebuild your life without a desire for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for this message that Father has again spurred my heart and I pray that it's spurred the heart of these people because you've allowed us to have the opportunity to rebuild our lives, to build our lives upon the foundation of you, to build it a habitation for you. Father, so many of us are distracted. So many of us are preoccupied and comfortable with where we're at. I, Father, I pray you challenge us. I pray that we would change our desires. I pray that we would set our affection upon you. I pray, Father, that our treasure would be laid up in heaven. Father, there are some in this place that may not know you as personal Savior. They may have never entered into a relationship with you. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, for those that know you, I pray today would be a stirring. To refocus on rebuilding, getting our spiritual lives back to where they should be in an abiding, close-knit relationship with you. Father, we pray all these things in your name. I ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you would. Again, it's, it's time to make a decision. I think today's decision is pretty simple. I'm not asking you to get everything in your life right today. I want you to understand that. I'm not asking you to uh, do a complete three, 180 and change everything today. I, the decision is simply this. Today, September 13th of 2020, I am going to have a desire for God. That's simply 
all that I look for. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you more. We're going to take some time right now and we're going to make a decision. Write it down. Pray about it. Let's take the time right now.